What is up, people? And thank you all for checking out this edition of the New Generation Sports Talk Podcast. I am your host, EJ Stewart. We got a lot to talk, to, talk about on today's show. We got a major NFL trade. A quarterback is, is moving teams. We'll tell you guys about that. Also, the NBA All-Star starters were announced. We'll give you guys who got picked, who just missed the cut, and maybe give a little bit of a preview of what we're expecting when the reserves get announced next week. Also, a major injury happening in the NBA. The Lakers right now without Anthony Davis. He has an Achilles strain. He'll be out several weeks. Is there reason to be concerned about the Lakers and their in their uh, repeat prospects? We'll, uh, we'll, we'll discuss that. And um, a mega deal. Uh, shout out to Fernando Tatis Jr., San Diego Padres, 14 years, 300 plus million dollars. Uh, we'll talk about the Masters deal, what it means for baseball, what it means for Tatis and the Padres. All good stuff on this podcast, so make sure you stay locked in and, and enjoy the ride. I think this is going to be a good conversation. Joining me is my co-host, Kendall Stewart. Kendall, one of the big stories we had this week was obviously Serena Williams being knocked out of the Aussie Open in the semifinals. She had a high-profile matchup against Naomi Osaka and, and uh, came up just a bit short. And um, the, she kind of had a little bit of a heartfelt thank you and a goodbye to the Aussie crowd as she, you know, exited in defeat and was very emotional uh, answering questions about her future um, in the in the post-match press conference at the point, you know, she couldn't really answer anymore. She's gotten left. She was in tears. And that's led some to believe that perhaps maybe this is the end of a long journey for Serena Williams, this great champion we have in American sports. How are you seeing kind of how that played out? Um, well, first, shout out to uh, Osaka, you know, on a sure. great win. Um, but, you know, it, it was for Serena Williams. I didn't really interpret it like that. You know, I think, um, you know, we've seen her, you know, emotional in those situations in the past. Um, and, you know, it, it's it. it, it it makes sense, you know. It's a, it's a very, it's a very grueling kind of uh, tournament and a very grueling kind of sport, obviously. Um, especially the circumstances that these, a lot of these athletes were in, because uh, I don't know if it was everybody, but like a lot of the, remember, a lot of the uh, uh, participants had to quarantine after they got there because they were in contact with somebody that had it on the plane. Mm. So I don't know if that was her necessarily, but. Um, you know, just it was a it was a very tumultuous tournament for a lot of people. They couldn't really prepare. You know, it had to be in a bubble. So, um, you know, it, 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 it's a different different kind of event. And so, it, it I understand the uh, the emotions. Plus, her sister obviously also got injured. You know, and what was a kind of an emotional kind of situation earlier in the tournament. So, um, I didn't take it as like a situation where she understands that this is her last major or something like that. I, could you interpret it that she's certainly winding down on her career? Yes, but that to me isn't something that I that you necessarily derive strictly because of that response. Mm. To me, I think is there a chance that this is her last Grand Slam, you know, year? Uh, probably. I would say probably. Yes, there's a chance. Um, mm. But right now, to me, only the only thing she showed me is that she's still at the top of her game. So I think it would For be. Sure. I think it would be. Uh, a shame, you know, as a fan, you know, of the sport, uh, a fan of sports in general, it would be a shame if she retired. Um, you know, she, uh, I don't want to say she upset, um, 
uh, I forgot her name. Simona. Uh, oh, hey, uh, hey. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, she upset her. And even getting, even seeing an upset is kind of like uh, not fair, <laughs> you know, to either yeah. one. Because it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I got upset by Serena Williams. Congrats. <laughs> you know, that feels so bad. But, um, you know, she was the number two seed in the tournament, and Serena made quick work of her in the quarterfinals. So, you know, it's tough for me to say that, you know, she's because she lost to Osaka, who is, you know, also one of the three or four best tennis players in the world. Um, you know, it, it, that to me, that's not a, that's not indicative of somebody that needs to hang it up. So, um, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, I think I think we'll see is the best way to put it. You know, I, I also, you know, didn't leap to the conclusion that that meant she's going to retire after this tournament. Um, I, I agree that maybe, you know, last Grand Slam run, possibly, you know. It, it, obviously, this is a very difficult time to be playing in sports right now. You know, Serena, Serena doesn't need this. I mean, her legacy is cemented. Serena is greatest female tennis player of all time um by far i don't think there's really much of a consideration for really anyone else um so i mean we know what her status is as a goat and we know her status is as one of the greatest athletes we've ever seen so she doesn't gotta do go through this you know she don't gotta be have these covid scares as someone who has had pre-existing condition issues with, you know her blood clots she doesn't have to go through all these protocols and all these things like that. i mean she could retire and live uh, a very normal, pleasant life. So I'm sure, you know, the circumstances of playing in this tournament and, and every major tournament is super grueling. Again, you're, you know, if you go this far to the semifinals, you're battling the best people in the world for two weeks straight, pretty much. Um, you know, she don't got to do all this. So when you get that far and you're doing it because you love it and you want to kind of just continue to raise the bar even higher than you already have, and you get to a point where you're this great champion and you go up against a young lion like Osaka, and probably in her head, she probably knows, man, to defeat uh, this this woman is going to be a tall order at this stage of her career. Um, Osaka is only getting better. Serena is, I mean, maybe she's the second best player in the world. I mean, she's still that great. But it's just starting to feel like Osaka is starting to really kind of just separate herself from the field. And it's just coming those scenes where, like, if she loses, it's going to be Osaka. You know, and for Serena, somebody who somebody who has always kind of, uh, and no, Serena said she thought she had too many unforced errors, which is true. Um, but like for someone who's always kind of set the tone and set the tempo, it's always been Serena's game to be at this point in your career and see that it's not at least in, when it comes to this specific matchup. And in order to win another major, unless something unforeseen happens, it's almost always going to come down to this matchup. It's probably devastating, and I think that she was definitely probably devastated in that moment you're asking her questions right after this very grueling difficult match um where it was you know clear that she was uh second best in this matchup it probably was a lot i think that serena as you said still has plenty of game i mean that's like an understatement i think considering how far she's gone and to be 39 years old doing what she's doing is incredible so i think that you know i think she knows that her time is kind of winding down and I think probably just kind of all the emotions of the situation, the pandemic, fans being in and out. I think she says she really does love the Aussie fans. I think the Aussie fans have been great to her in the past. Uh, I think it all probably just culminated in a very emotional time. Uh, I think I expect her to be back for whatever tournaments we're allowed to play for the rest of the year. I don't know if we'll have French Open or Wimbledon. I don't know what, the, what they've decided with that. Um, I don't follow tennis that closely. But 
Um, I assume she'll be there. Um, and I'll assume that until she says otherwise, that she'll she'll give it another run next year. But uh, but we'll see. You know, we'll we'll see how it all ends up shaking out, man. Shout out to Serena Williams again, a true goat, a true legend of the game. We throw around the term goat often. Sometimes like kind of like it's almost like a parody now or a meme to call somebody a goat. But like Serena Williams, really a true goat of this game. And uh, and if this is the end, I hope it's not. But if it is, and this is the last run, this is the last tournament, or this is the last run of uh of, of grand slam uh appearances man shout out to her i just hope it isn't because i guess to me i would hope that and this is kind of how my hope for the world is that i hope that she does get to come back and do a, a grand slam tour with all the fans there and will the world being semi close to normal than what it is now like i don't i would hope i would hate that like you know she's playing at the u.s open the place is 25 percent capacity in the in the sun and that's like her last U.S. Open, like that would suck, you know. Like not suck for her. I mean, she is. She wants to go out like that. That's on her own terms. I'm talking about just. I feel like as a fan of sports, I would love to see the fans give her the love she deserves. Because I know. Yeah, I tweeted right now, Sorry, have you gotten to uh, the U.S. Open yet? I have. I uh, I went to the U.S. Open in 2014. It's super fun. Um, something I want to do again. Uh, it's something I never thought I would have wanted to do. But it was funny. I went once. <laughs> it was a very funny story that's probably best for off air. But uh, I went once by myself to the U.S. Open and watched a couple of matches. It was super fun. I was only I was by myself. But it was still mad fun. And then I went a second time with other people, and both times, you know, I had a blast. It was, uh, uh, you know, it's always hot, which is always an issue. Though I know they got the retractable roof for Arthur Ashe Stadium, so I, I would hope to go back if I do go back to get a nice cool arena but no it was it's 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 a great time um obviously if you're from new york city flushing meadows corona park is you know beautiful area um if you watch the uh the men in black you know it's a big scene the men in black series so uh so captain yeah I, yes and and captain america that is true so for captain america first <laughs> avenger so yeah i love that area of course i'm from Queens, so i'm i'm, I'm biased but yeah it's, it's a it's a dope time and if if it was a situation where things were safe and Serena did announce, okay, I'm going on my farewell tour, I, I would totally try to catch a match. Like, it's, I think if you like sports, I think you'll like the U.S. Open. Yes, yes. Have you have you ever thought about going? Have I ever thought about going to the U.S. Open? Uh, as a New Yorker, uh, we probably, at least I probably should at some point. Um, and I guess you know, theory as an American, it's not like you know. Yeah, if <laughs> I am going to Wimbledon, yeah, it's, but, yeah, it's the U.S. Open. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but um, but yeah, yeah, it always seemed like an interesting, uh, always seemed like an interesting scene. I know our mom's gone as well. She said good things about it, but um, I guess yeah. what I like, what I like about the U.S. Open is I feel like, and I guess, and I've heard the same thing. I, I think for the American U.S. Open for uh, obviously golf too but like yeah you know those are two you know golf and tennis very like pristine sports you know the crowd doesn't cheer they're quiet whatever like and you know it's it's not you know city field in the game seven of the nlcs but like it's still you know a much more engaged atmosphere than what i should be accustomed to seeing for regular tennis matches right or like you know tennis matches for the big other big events where they only cheer like just like at the end or after points like like, you know, there's just so much more energy from the American crowd. And to be a part of that crowd twice, one, I did I did a night 
event, a nightcap, and I did a day game, a day or day match, I guess you would call. It. So I've, I've seen, I felt both atmospheres, um, and and it's it's a uh, super fun. Yeah, I suggest anybody who's not, especially from New York, if you if you've not tried the U.S. Open, it's definitely worth going. It's a good time, hang out with some friends, eat some hot dogs, eat some good food, and just chillax. They also got a the one thing I learned about the U.S. Open <laughs> is it's interesting how. You know, you know, tennis is like a definitely a ritzy sport, and a lot of their fans are more of the upper class. And I got treated to a restaurant inside uh, Arthur Ashe Stadium, and that was one of the best food I've ever had. <laughs> like, they, like, like if you sit up in the upper deck, like you only get like the regular, regular behind food, and like that's where we were. But like, I knew people who were in the lower level, so. They like we were I would come down and have lunch with them. I think like in between matches before matches I got what went down. But like the 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 restaurants in the stadium that are available to the people that sit courtside and sit like in the lower level, it's like five di- like five star dining. Like <laughs> like it's like not like some like oh you get your cheese chili cheese dogs and your your French fries. I mean, you're talking about, you know, shrimp and steak and I'm, I'm looking at this menu like, yo, I don't want to order anything from this menu, dog. I feel bad because like That's funny. it was it's crazy. Like I never would have thought that. Um, cause, and like you know, there are, there are restaurants in certain arenas, but like not like that. <laughs> not like not like anything I saw when I went in that restaurant in, inside Arthur Ashe Stadium. Um, they got some good food and it's expensive, but I guess you know for the clientele, and that's a clientele who's going to the U.S. Open and sitting courtside. Uh, those are people who uh, they they want that kind of experience. So, um, so it was uh, it, it's air conditioned. So it was, you know it was super hot that day. So going in this you know ice cold place with all this great food is it was a blast, man. So yeah, if you if you can afford it, I say man, go down to the lower level, get a bride ticket in the lower level, and splurge inside that nice behind restaurant. I can't I don't even know what the name of it is, but eat, eat there <laughs> and enjoy yourself. It's it's a good time. Um, but let's, uh, let's talk about the NFL, Kendall, and let's talk about a, a team and a player that you are familiar with. Uh, the Eagles and Carson Wentz have officially, uh, ended their relationship, so to speak. Uh, the Eagles, after weeks of saying that a deal was inevitable, not necessarily through any official statement, but just through source statements that kept going out in the media, they finally did agree to deal Carson Wentz to the Indianapolis Colts. The return... Not exactly, I think, what the Eagles had hoped for, or not. It definitely wasn't what they were telling people behind closed doors what they were hoping to get. Um, they get two picks for Carson Wentz. One is a second round pick, uh, or that can be a conditional second round pick that could be a first round pick. I think, given some of whatever Wentz is able to accomplish, if he can play a certain amount of snaps and things like that, that could become a first round pick. That's in 2022. Um, it, it's a it is a 2021 third round pick, so. At, at the least, it's a two and a three. It's a chance it's a one and a three, given um, what how Vince Wentz plays. And who does it say? I mean, him playing 75% of the snaps, I mean, we don't know. I mean, he's a guy who's been injury prone. So I, I can't say for sure that's going to happen. <laughs> but um, but that is the condition for whether or not he does get uh, – they, they do get a first-round pick. So, Kendall, um, what do you make of, of this fit for Wentz? Because you, you, you were there and – you know, I think I think yes. you saw Wentz have a pretty decent season. You know, I know there were a lot of issues with the team, injuries and things like that. 
And he kind of was the only constant. And I think that in that inside that organization, there was frustration about how he got hurt in the playoffs, and there was hope that you know they could have went on another really great run because they were starting to get hot. And he was starting to play well. Um, so you 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 were there the last time he played decent, and yeah, and and, and so you, obviously you've seen what's happened since you haven't been with the organization. But do you feel like a resurrection for him is possible in in Indianapolis? Um, yeah. I mean, did we? We had this discussion when it was when it became clear they were going to move him, right? And we talked about yes, we did. destinations. I believe I said Indianapolis was the fit for Wentz, and that that would be a great spot, and that they should make the move for Carson Wentz. Um, I believe I, I for I, I've maintained that I believe that Carson Wentz can still play. Um, were there confidence issues last year? I mean, it would certainly appear it, it would appear that there were confidence issues last year, but at the same time, he was a guy who was playing behind an offensive line that was uh, that was injured pretty much all last season. No Brandon Brooks um, all season. Uh, Lane Johnson hurt most of the season. Uh, yeah, Jason Peters having to play it felt like five all five positions on the line uh from camp on to uh the start of the season so and not only that but then you had more injuries on the receiving core you know Alshon Jeffrey missing games Deshaun Jackson missing games um and those were things that he, he had to deal with the year the year prior as well but I feel like um it got worse it certainly got worse uh last season um or this season I should say um but when he goes to Indianapolis, he's not going to be playing on a team that has uh, no offensive line. Uh, in fact, they've got, I would say, a top five offensive line in the NFL, led by Quentin Nelson, uh, the best uh, guard in the NFL. Um, they have to find a tackle. They, they talk, they've talked about moving Quentin Nelson to tackle, which you do not want to do that. Um, so yeah, they, have to they, find- they can't do that. Yeah, um, and, you know, ironically enough, Orlando Brown from the Ravens uh, has talked about how he's tired of playing right tackle and that, you know, he wants to trade to a team that will play in a left tackle, so I'm sure the Colts will uh, will make a move, uh, could make a move for Orlando Brown. But regardless, no, the Colts have the offensive line. They've got um, the running game. They've got the defense, and – They've got some receivers. I think they need a little bit more weapons in the in the in the on, on the outside. Um, but and I think most importantly, I think anybody will acknowledge this. Like Frank Reich uh, got the most out of Carson Wentz than any other coach um, has, uh, and it's a small sample size. But um, obviously, his MVP season was with Frank Reich as the offensive coordinator. Obviously, Frank Reich head coach in Indianapolis. It's a good fit for the Indianapolis Colts. But what I what I think was interesting about this trade is I think, you know, this is a trade where I think, you know, the narrative has been, you know, as it is with most trades, people try to find who's the winner, who's the winner, who's the loser. And I don't think this trade is about who's the winner, who's the loser. I think both teams are kind of taking not a risk, but kind of making a move that they kind of had to make. So I don't think that there is a winner and loser per se. Um, I think you just have to see how things how things develop. Um, the Colts are making a a bit of a risk in saying that look Carson Wentz is going to replace Phil Rivers as the quarterback here in Indianapolis. 
I think given his injury history, they would be best served. Well, I wouldn't say they'd be best served bringing someone else in because they have Jacob Eason. So maybe that's the guy who they feel like a year of Jacob Eason as another year of him as the backup, like is good enough protection. Like you don't need to draft another quarterback, but like, mm-hmm. you know, you have to be prepared that Jacob Eason may have to play. But I think Carson Wentz um, can be a top 15 quarterback in the NFL when he's healthy. Um, he's got all the tools. Uh, I don't think his injury was the issue. I think a lot of it was, again, he was in a poor situation uh, for a quarterback. And while Jalen Hurts did play well, um, and I would argue he played better than Carson Wentz did last season, I you know I think a lot of that had to do with, one, I think his skill set was better designed to play in that in that offense. Um, yeah, I think certainly and, to overcome their shortcomings. Right, exactly. Um, and you know, I and also just his confidence wasn't as it wasn't as low as I think Wentz was. Wentz's was at that point. Um, and clearly there was there was friction, you know, and there was a there was it, it seemed like there was a there was some sort of fracture in the relationship between Peterson and Wentz. We can't we don't know for sure, obviously what happened, but um, that's what it appeared uh, like from a distance. But also from the Eagles' perspective, I don't think that this was a win loss situation. I think ultimately we have to see how they move now going forward, um, whether that's with Jalen Hurts or someone else that remains to be seen. And uh, I guess I'll, I'll ask you what he thinks going to happen with the Colts uh, side of it beside, before we get to the whole Eagles situation. Yeah, I mean, on the Colts side, uh, I think this is, is the right risk. Um, to me, Wentz was a guy that lost his confidence in Philadelphia, and a lot of that stemmed from the loss in confidence in his protection. I think he was a guy that he took a lot of hits. He didn't get a consistent protection from that front line. And I think his, um, his lack of belief in the guys up front and the coaching staff to protect him, I think, eventually tore apart his confidence individually. Because, um, I mean, look, I don't know how many highlight reels or low-light reels I've seen of Wentz just, like, airmailing guys who are wide open. Uh, guys that he would he was hitting in year two, three. You know what I'm saying? Like, guys, like I've seen him play well. And last year was not that. I know he can play better. The question is all, can he get over that hump? You know, we know we knew it wasn't going to work in Philly because their team is just a mess. They, they, they to me they're a team that's in clear rebuild and they're not going to be a playoff team next year, and it may be a couple years before they're really contending again. They're in a completely different position than the Colts are in. The Colts are a team that is built to win now. Um, they got a, a really great young running back in Jonathan Taylor. Naeem Hines is a great uh, secondary guy out of the backfield, not just as a as a as a you know running back, obviously, but also as a as a really good pass catcher. Um, their their receivers are okay, but they're they're good enough. You know what I'm saying? And with that offensive line, with that protection, I think Wentz can go out there. I think he can do some things. I think they probably got to uh, probably get another pass catcher here. And and the good thing about this offseason is. There are a lot of pass catchers available. Yes. So, so so they'll be, I think, aggressive in trying to get a receiver to come in to, to help Wentz. Because I think we've seen that, you know, I don't think you can expect Wentz to just carry your team. And even going to this team, despite the fact that they don't have a clear number one guy, T.Y. Hilton looks like he's definitely kind of on the back nine here. Um, Michael Pittman, young receiver. You know, so 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 you're still waiting to see some of these guys, these younger guys emerge Uh uh, early in their careers, they probably need a more established guy. But with the yeah, offensive line in the running game, that's going to go a long way, I think, to helping him yeah. a lot. I love 
one of the underrated storylines this year's draft, or things that I've noticed when looking at these this uh, crop of, of of prospects, I think this receiver, the receivers in this year's draft, I think it's an arguably as deep class as it was last year, which is saying yeah a lot. But um, but the Colts were in a situation last year where they drafted Michael Pittman, who had a solid season as a rookie. But I do agree that I think they need a veteran uh, receiver. Um, you know, you can take a risk um, on, you know, Rashad Bateman out of Minnesota, or you could take a risk on, you know, Terrence Marshall from LSU or somebody in the second round. But, uh, you know, like, it, how, what's, who, what are the odds that guy is better than Michael Pittman? You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you drafted Pittman last year, and he was okay. Yeah, yeah. you know, you but know, he so, wasn't. He didn't change life for you in terms of, right. you know, getting weapons. So, uh, if I mean, I'm not saying they got to shell out a bunch of money to get Juju Smith-Schuster, but maybe that's what they have to do. I don't know. Um, but there are other, there are plenty of receivers in this year's uh, class that they can look at. Godwin, obviously, we'll see whether or not what Tampa does to keep Godwin. But, um, but yeah, yeah, Indianapolis. I think they're a playoff team next year. Um, they're not in the easiest division. Uh, we'll see what happens with the with the Deshaun Watson situation, um, and we'll see how Jacksonville tries to uh, kind of reload um, or rebuild. Rather, I would say reload. I also feel like I also feel like Tennessee is in a weird situation. I think they can go one of two ways too. I think I can see them either taking another step or. Them kind of being like they had their moment and now they're Tennessee look like they put a lot of. I feel like they, 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 they're like a boxer that took a lot of hits last year, man. I agree. You know, Derrick Henry had a tremendous season, and I know you've always you know had the the theory that running backs, you know, have a they've got a shelf life. You know, they've got a certain amount of carries in their career. Um, and AJ Brown played pretty much all last season, you know, hurt. He said it himself that he needed surgery pretty much all year and he played through it. You know, it, it'll be interesting to see whether or not those guys um, are able to bounce back, you know, and have as good of a season as they did last year. Um, so I think they'll make the playoffs. I think Indy's going to make the playoffs. Speaking of Indy, yeah. I think they'll make the playoffs. Um, there's a lot of influx in that division. I think there's talent, but we'll see how things uh, shape up. Um, on the Philly side, where do you think Philly goes from here? Because, well, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I'll let you go. Let I you mean, go. so, so, like, I, I'll be honest, man. Like, I, I'm very, I'm very, very concerned about the Eagles' direction right now. Um, the it, it sounds like the plan now is to look to draft a quarterback. At number six, um, is I don't know. It just seems to me like they look. I, I look. I don't. I have a lot of respect for Harry Roseman. He won a Super Bowl, but it just seems to me like they look like a team that's flying by the seat of their pants and how they're managing this situation this off season. It's like they're just kind of. I feel like they're just trying to win the day or win the week. Like it doesn't. I don't feel like there really is like a a bold, clear plan from the beginning of what they're trying to do. Doug Peterson is coming back. There's no question about it. We're all good. And then that last game happens and all hell breaks loose. It's like, oh, no, he's fired. And Wentz says he's got to go. And you say, okay, well, we like, we want to keep Wentz. We want to keep him in the fold, so let's get rid of the coach. All right, you got rid of the coach. 
Super Bowl winning coach. Only guy to win a Super Bowl for the for the city. Okay, you got rid of him. Good. Now you're gonna move forward with Wentz, right? No, Wentz is still still unhappy. He doesn't want to talk to you. He's not picking up your calls. He's starting to look at well, watch tape again. You realize that oh, this guy really really stunk last year. Maybe we shouldn't bring him back. Maybe we shouldn't listen to him in the first place. All right, we're getting two first-round picks for him. That's the price. We're getting two first-round picks. No questions asked. Oh, we can't get two first-round picks? Oh, he only worth a third? You hire a Frank Wright disciple, which was an interesting move. Right, you hired a Frank Wright disciple to help Wentz because Wentz played his best under Frank Wright. He had, as Paul George would say, his MVP season, even though it wasn't an MVP season. It wasn't like his MVP season um, because he played so well. Like, like... You did all that stuff to help Wentz, and then you decided you got to trade him, okay? And then you set a price, a price that only the Eagles thought made sense. And then you can't get that price, which is two first, so you settle for this deal. Um, and you seemed, like, hell-bent on getting a deal that was going to be better than what the Colts were offering, and the Colts ended up getting him for exactly what they wanted. And now you're saying, okay, but we're still not going to Hurts. We're going to draft the quarterback at six. Who's going to play behind this terrible offensive line, this aging team that we need to really retool in, in all major ways? I don't get it. I, I don't see, like, to me, like, if you're going to drive the quarterback, they should trade Hurts. Like, I don't understand what they're doing. Like, I just, I, like, again, they just look like a team to me that, like, whatever's happening that week, whatever the issue is that week, they're trying to just win that week. So forget about that we set a price for Wentz and that we needed to get this price. We're just going to trade them for whatever they're going to offer because we can't get it. It's like, did you think about how teams were gauging his price to begin with? Like, you kind of went through this very embarrassing ordeal for this past week that didn't have to happen. He could have been gone a week ago because everybody could have told you you're not getting a, a you're not getting an unconditional first. That's nuts for the way he, for how he played last year. And he's making all this money. Like, like that's the thing too is the contract attached to him. It's yeah, yeah. It, it, it's because he's not going to take a pay cut, so it's. I got to eat it first and inherit his money. Like, I don't know what they're doing. Yeah. And the Eagles ate $30 million in dead cat by moving on when, from when. So, clearly, there was a motivation to get rid of Carson Wentz, and that's from them. Uh, and, they, and it's like they thought, oh, because we're taking this we're taking this hit, you got to give us first round pick. It's like, why would they? That, that has nothing to do with them. Yeah. <laughs> they also care that you're taking on a cap hit. Yeah. That's, 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 yeah. It didn't make any sense. Yeah, most times teams don't trade quarterbacks in this spot but but yeah um it it it's interesting you know drafting a quarterback first of all drafting a quarterback is such an inexact science uh jared goff and carson wentz was number one and two pick in the 2016 draft and they've both been traded within a month of each other um the the two the one and two pick in the year prior to them was 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 Winston and Mariota, who were both backups last year. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's I mean you know obviously you can frame things how you want. I believe the quarterback, the first quarterback drafted the year after those guys was Mitch Trubisky. So uh, who likely yeah, also yeah, he will on certainly new... be on a new team this year. <laughs> yeah. So, so it's, it's like what Bill Parcells said, man. NFL not for long. Yeah, man. Um, it's certainly an inexact science, uh, which is why I'm not. I'm not all in on many of these guys. You know, uh, Lawrence seems like I can't miss in terms of will at least be good enough to be a starter. And that's always my benchmark, really, in both the NBA and the NFL when it comes to scouting. Is you really don't know who's going to be a superstar 
or like a Hall of Fame level. That's almost impossible, especially at the quarterback position. Yeah. That's impossible to gauge. Um, but can you figure out, like in the NBA, can you figure out whether a guy's an all-star based off of his talent? Like Zion, like Ben Simmons to me was clear. He's going to be an all-star. I don't know if he'll ever get a jump shot to be a superstar or a Hall of Famer or a champion, but he's going to be an all-star. Like Trevor Lawrence seems like that kind of guy where he's going to be starter in the nfl they just i mean like daniel jones is a starter in the nfl <laughs> you know and not to say daniel jones yeah. is a scrub but like in college like he just wasn't with trevor lawrence is. um i feel like justin fields is in a similar position where i think like you know I, I'd, I'd be hard it'd be hard to believe to me that he's gonna end up like a backup um but we don't know you know whether or not he's gonna be a game-changing level player and same with Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson to me had more boom and bust than any of these guys. Um but those are the only three quarterbacks that I'm I'm drafting if I'm the Eagles. Um obviously Lawrence isn't going to be available at six. Uh he's not gonna be available at two. So, you know, he's not available at all, more than likely. So you can cross Trevor Lawrence off the list. Wilson and Fields are a much more interesting case because if you're looking at Zach Wilson you're going to have to trade up to two more than likely to get him. Um, if not two, then four. But it seems like two is the, the spot where if not the Jets drafting him, then the Jets will likely trade out of that pick to somebody who does want him. Um, I don't feel like it makes sense to invest that many that much resource in getting a guy when you have Jalen Hurts like that. Um, and... With that being said, you know, that that brings me to Justin Fields, who I think if you're telling me that Fields drops, which, I mean, mock drafts have been all over the place when it comes to Justin Fields. Some people have him going as high as two. I don't think it's going to happen. It seems like the, the momentum is trending heavily towards Wilson going two. Uh, but I've seen mock drafts that have him at four, and that I think that's what I think will happen, but that's not where a lot of them have had him. Most of them have him going past four. Um, if he's available at six, which a lot of them do have him being available at six, then if I'm the Eagles, I would strongly consider drafting Justin Fields if you believe that he is definitely better than Jalen Hurts. I think he's definitely better than Jalen Hurts, but that's up to the that's up to the Eagles to decide. If you think that it's close enough, or you think that if you think that it's close, you think there's a chance that Jalen Hurts is better than is going to be better than Justin Fields, then you can't make that move. That's why, to me, I don't, I'm not drafting Trey Lance. Certainly not drafting Mac Jones. Because, um, like you said, getting someone like Devontae Smith or Jamar Chase, Kyle Pitts, whoever it is, helps your team and helps Jalen Hurts. We haven't even figured out whether or not he's good or not. Yeah, and that's, 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 that's yeah. signs, positive signs. Because you can look at the Josh Rosen situation with the Cardinals a couple of years ago, where the Cardinals obviously were the worst team in the league. They drafted Josh Rosen, uh, went on to be the worst team in the league. They gave Josh Rosen some chances, similar to how the Eagles gave Josh gave Jalen Hurts some chances. And for the most part, Josh Rosen did not look good, but he was the first round pick. But they were also the worst team in the league. Um, but there were still some people that, oh, we, the jury's still out on Josh Rosen. The Cardinals didn't care. They drafted Kyler Murray. 
And no one looks at that decision now. It was controversial at the time. It was rare that a team would just give up on a quarterback after one year. But no one looks back at that decision with any issue because everyone knows Kyler Murray is better than Josh Rosen. I think we kind of knew it at that point, too. It was just, well, are we going to put Kyler Murray in the same position that Josh Rosen was in last year? The difference is that Murray was going to be in a much different offense, going to be in a much different situation, a much different player than Rosen. Whereas if you're getting Jalen Hurts, it is a much different offense than I guess Hurts was in last year. But there are similarities between Fields and Hurts in their skill sets. Um, you're not going to completely turn the offense over like you did with, you know, bringing Cliff Kingsbury. Um, bringing Sirianni is someone who's from the same family tree as <laughs> Doug Peterson. Um, so, uh, you know, there are reasons, to, there, are, there are definitely differences. So, um, but also I think the other difference is that Jalen Hurts was showed way more positive signs last year than Josh Rosen did in his one year at the Cardinals. So it's, it's a different situation, but I think Justin Fields is good enough to where if he's available at six, I'm certainly going to draft. If he's not available, and, yeah, I would think about trading up, but I wouldn't. I would likely just sit back and take one of the receivers. But the, I, guess, I guess to Mitchell. me the issue, the issue with me, Kendall, is, and I guess this, you got to probably move on at this, but I just feel like the, the the original sin was taking Hertz at in the second round last year. You took him in the second round. You did get you did get him a look. It wasn't a I don't think it was a look that was long enough to say for sure if he's your guy or not your guy. To be fair, I don't think he played like to where he was like, oh, he's definitely the guy. Um, he had some good moments, some bad moments, but it was a mixed bag. You probably still need to see more of him. The issue becomes you not if you draft a quarterback this year, you really can't give Hurts ever that chance. And what happens is that second round pick that you drafted on a quarterback. Now it becomes a waste because there's no way you're going to get a second round pick back for Hurts from what we've seen. If he doesn't play next year and just starting fields or someone else at quarterback, they're not getting that second round pick back. So you wasted a pick last year, which is what we all thought was possible. It, it's why drafting second round quarterbacks is usually very dumb. It's, I mean, unless that guy, unless you're 100% sold that that guy is going to get a legitimate chance, it's always dumb to draft a guy in the second round because if he can't play, you, like you're just never recouping that loss, and there's a good chance, or at least a decent chance, that you could get a real player who could come in and fill in and, and be a starter for you in the second round at other positions. And the Eagles are so depleted and so old in so many spots that they wasted the pick on a quarterback. The idea that the next year they would not only have traded the guy that was a franchise quarterback, but then that they won't give the guy they drafted in the second round a shot because they're drafting another quarterback in the first round. I mean that that to me that so, that looks that looks like GM malpractice. It, it looks I, I, like it looks bad. It looks like incompetence. But what I will say is that put yourself in Howie Rosen's shoes. Okay, he's clearly on. I don't say he's on the hot seat, but he's on a hotter seat than he has been uh, since I don't know the last yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They, the seat warmers, the seat warmers in the car are a little, a little, a little warmer than he probably yeah, would the like. Temperature is up. The block is getting kind of hot. And you're in a situation where if, the, if they have a really bad season next year, is it is it impossible that they move on from Howie Rosen? I think it's likely he's gone. You can argue it's likely he's gone. If yeah. not, then he's certainly one year away. Right. Then he's, a, then he's a lame duck. If you hit your wagon to Jalen Hurts next season, you're, I mean... 
if you don't think Jalen Hurts is that good, and I'm not saying like that good as in like he can't play, but if you don't think Jalen Hurts is like good enough to make you a playoff team, then if you're Howie Roseman, then you're 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 that you're putting your not your career, but you're putting your your job on the line. And saying Jalen Hurts go take us to the playoffs, you have a lot of, you you have to have a supreme amount of confidence in Jalen Hurts. But do you really think that like w- second year Hurts has a much worse chance of winning than first year Fields or some other quarterback? No, like, that's to me what I don't make. That's a, that's that's a part of this I don't get. I think well again that goes to how how do you feel about the player? If you're talking about Trey Lance, I don't think that Trey Lance either. But if Fields is dynamic enough, they're like Justin Herbert had. I don't know if they're going to fire the GM that drafted that guy. I guess that's what I'm saying. Can have the year that someone like Justin Herbert had. I think Fields has the talent where he can show out and look like a guy that's like, oh, yeah, he's, he's one of the best young quarterbacks in the NFL next year. I think Wilson could have that type of year. I think Lawrence could have that type of year. Which is why I would draft one of those guys because I think it saves my job. Now, you could argue this is why you don't really have – you don't keep GMs who are in that kind of spot. You were just trying to save their job. But to me, that's that would be my line of thinking, is that Justin Fields, drafting Justin Fields saves me if he works. If he, I mean, if he can't play, then you're gone. But you're gone anyway. <laughs> you know? <laughs> if Verts can't, can't play, you're probably, you're probably gone. You know? So to me, this that, that would be a move in saying, we need to, I need to keep my job. And not just keep my job. I don't think Tyree Rosen is thinking that lens but like we have to keep our franchise afloat and you know to do that we need a player that's going to you know really rev up the engine and that's what kyler murray did for the Cardinals. steve kine was kind of i want to say he was in a similar situation but he was another guy i mean team was the worst team in the league and their team was kind of going nowhere and he decided you know we're gonna give this team to a college coach who's won eight games and we're just gonna we're gonna give him his guy, and we're just gonna run a college offense, and we'll see what happens. And the Cardinals weren't great Kyler Murray's rookie year, but they were interesting enough to where they weren't gonna get rid of Steve Kahn. They I think people wanted to see how the thing played itself out. And now we're two years into the Kyler Murray experiment, and they were they were better last year. They still weren't great, had some issues, but they're much different than if they would have said. Yeah, but, you know, Josh Rosen, we got to give him another year, see what he is. You know, maybe they draft, you know, I don't know who else was in that draft off the top of my head. But, you know, you draft a pass rusher, you draft a lineman. And, you know, even if you you might have won the same six games that you won with Kyler Murray, but you may not be there. You know what I mean? So that's the that's the conundrum. Yeah, it, it, it's I, I get the conundrum there. Um, in some way, is, is there a chance that, if a young quarterback comes in and uh, and and plays well, could you hit your wagon kind of to them and that kind of buy you some time? I, I could see that, but I just feel like again now you're 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 really kind of relying on that young guy coming in and really performing well. And I feel like you'd be better suited really trying to fill out the rest of your roster and maybe kind of having a you know a surprise bounce back year with Jalen Hurts in year two, you know. Ended up, you know, looking pretty solid. And, and, and I think that's most likely, by the way, because I personally I mean, we say that, but the early word is that they want to get a quarterback, which is crazy to me. If and look, if they draft Trey Lance, I would not advise that. But 
You know, then that would to me like I don't need I don't think they need another year of that much turmoil because that's what that would that was that drafting a quarterback that's what that would bring it would be the same amount of turmoil if not more than it was when they drafted Hurts and that was a mess um, from a PR perspective and drafting another quarterback unless you get rid of Jalen Hurts like Jalen Hurts has been working out or he's gonna start working out with the receivers in Texas well I don't, yeah. know, I don't know Texas now but he's gonna start so, working out with the receivers. So, you know, to me, like, what, what is that? What message does that send to the rest of the roster that you, you know? Now this guy's gonna have to compete with another with a first round pick. I mean, Hurts is a young quarterback in his own right. And look, Jalen Hurts this isn't the first time somebody would have done that to him. Brady <laughs> say, ah, yeah, you know, yeah, he's been here before. Yeah, he he's seen this before. He's seen this movie before, but um. But it's an interesting spot. I don't know if I would want that, and I don't know if that's what they would. I don't. I'm not convinced that that's what they would do. But if Justin Fields is available, I. I mean, you know me. I think it's. I think it's one A, one B in this draft with Lawrence and Fields. So that's why I'm more akin to saying that it seems like Fields may be available, and if he is, then you have to you you, you have to make that pick. But that also may be me pushing in my own evaluation of the player onto the team situation. Because logically, I see what you're saying. I mean, <laughs> putting Justin Fields in that spot, you may end up with the same result. You know, why Why? Why do you think you're going to get a different result? The definition of insanity. Trying the same thing that you're going to get a different result. Putting a young quarterback behind a team with no roster and thinking that you're going to win games. But, depends on how you feel about the player. Um, let's talk about the NBA. So we got our NBA All-Star starters uh, for this uh, upcoming All-Star weekend coming up in uh, in just a couple of weeks in, in early March. So LeBron and Kevin Durant were named captains. So of course, this is like a kind of a combined vote that they do this year where they, they, uh, they talk to, you know, not just the fans, but the media and other people get players also get a uh, vote. And, uh, so LeBron and Kevin Durant will be the captains this year. So we're doing the captain thing again. We're doing the kind of like uh, last, you know, first one to X amount of score to end the All-Star game, just like we did last season. Um, it's going to be held in Atlanta. LeBron and, again, LeBron and KD captains. The rest of the teams uh, for the Eastern Conference, for guys that were voted as starters, we'll have um, Giannis, uh, Joel Embiid, Bradley Beal, and Kyrie Irving. For the West, we'll have, along with LeBron James, Nikola Jokic, Kawhi Leonard, Steph Curry, and uh, Luka Doncic. So, those are our starters, Kendall. There's a controversy involving having this game. Adam Silver had an interview with Rachel Nichols on the jump where he said that this was, quote, the right thing to do to have the game despite the criticism of holding an All-Star game amid a pandemic. He's already said that there won't be any social events around the game. There won't be fans there. So uh, it's a very peculiar situation. He said it's a global event for us, and we're making the best, uh, uh, making our best efforts to embrace all aspects of our league to an extent we can we can through this pandemic, and this is just one more opportunity. Um, I'll add that, of course, I'm listening to those who don't think it's a good idea, and I think that's been the cases in terms of essentially everything we've done since we shut down a year ago because of the pandemic. There were obviously those who thought we shouldn't play while fans thought thought we shouldn't play in a bubble, thought we shouldn't be playing in a very 
very serious way because of the social justice issues rolling around. So I certainly hear the other side of this issue here. And I'll lastly say it seems like no decisions during this pandemic come without uncertainty and come without risk. This is yet another one of them. And yet it's my job to balance all those interests. And ultimately, it feels like the right thing to do to go forward. Of course, as part of this uh, game, uh, $2.5 million uh, is being put up by the NBA and the Players Association to uh, historically black colleges and universities. Um, and, and I think there's some awareness around COVID-19 and the vaccine as well going into this All-Star weekend. So, Kendall, I guess, uh, you know, what do you think one of the, the stars that we got and just kind of the, the, the decision to even hold this game? I mean, LeBron... A lot of the players have spoken out and said that they don't do not think that this should happen. Um, there's some players who have been kind of more kind of, you know, neutral, to say the least. You know, Kawhi Leonard basically said that, you know, the, the NBA is going to do what needs to to make money. You know, Dame Lillard said, uh, I understand both sides, but at the end of the day, it's a business. So what, where do you stand? Um, where do I stand on the idea to hold the game? Yeah, first on the hold of the game and then the stars that we got. Um, on the idea to hold the game, I mean, I don't buy that this is something that they that they needed to do, or this is something that uh, what did Adam Silver say is gonna it's the right thing. I don't I don't buy the right thing to do necessarily. Um, you know, as a fan, I guess I'm I, I guess I'm happy. Uh, you know, I, I I mean, I enjoy watching basketball, and I enjoy the All Star game. I enjoyed last year's All Star game quite a bit. I enjoy. The skills challenge and the three point shootout and the dunk contest. I'm glad all those events are coming back. When it seemed like it seemed initially they just talked about the dunk contest, I was like, I'm kind of, I'd almost rather have the three point shootout. I don't know why, you know, but I don't uh, know how, you have a, how do you have a dunk contest at halftime? Like that's that's not enough time. See, that yo, that seems like so it just screams like AAU tournament or something. <laughs> like Nuts. what is it? Um, yeah, I, I just, yeah, I I don't like it. Because I feel like now you're just going to be rushing and stuff. I don't get Why don't they have it, like, earlier in the day? Like, I know the dunk contest is usually, like, a primetime event. So I know they don't want But, like, if you're having it on the weekend, like, Sunday, why don't you have it Sunday afternoon or something like that? I don't know. I don't I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I think they're trying – I guess the idea is that they, they're trying to condense everything as much as possible. Right. Um, TNT not spreading multiple oh, events. Right. Multiple multiple days where people are coming in and out. Like I think they just want to do it all once and then everybody go away. Yeah, and um, yeah, yeah. So I, 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 or my quick reaction is I, I'm not as a fan. I'm happy, but I don't see the ne- the necessity. I'm not furious that they're doing this, but uh, you know, I don't see the necessity. Keisha Lamb's bottoms, mayor of Atlanta, did not seem happy about this. So no, interestingly enough. Yeah, that's fascinating considering – I mean, it's not fascinating. I mean, I, I think any responsible elected official sure. probably doesn't want any risky COVID business in their city. So uh, the yeah. mayor, I'm sure uh, she's like, yeah, I, what, it, this is not something – and it's not anything that's going to benefit them. There's no money coming in. There's no, no fans and nothing. So it's just – it's literally just an ex- an event that's unnecessary happening. So yeah. I'm, not, I'm not exactly surprised by that. I, I am surprised given the NBA's – very friendly relationship with the city of Atlanta. I'm surprised that, that maybe she would say something. But, yeah, quickly, we'll get to the stars in a second. Quickly, just on holding the game. Yeah, I mean, this just, just seems unnecessary. I mean, I, I look. But one thing, you know, Adam Silver, he's been getting a lot of heat recently. Uh, I think a lot of it, in some ways, is deserved. I don't think it's been, like, out 
out of out of pocket. I think it's been fair criticism. But you know, when I see these quotes, he's saying there are people who said we shouldn't have played in the bubble, shouldn't play with our fans, shouldn't be playing because of social justice. I certainly hear the other side of the issue. It's like oh, all those things you 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 didn't agree with them. <laughs> he still did it. <laughs> so like when I read that quote, I was just like, he did all of those things. Like all those people said that you shouldn't do any of that, and he did it anyway. And some of them were true, and some of them were the right decision, I think. And some of them maybe were questionable. Uh, so it's just like it was just odd that he listed all these things about what people shouldn't have done, and he's like, I hear all those things, but I'm like, yeah, but you still did whatever you wanted or whatever you got the players to agree to. I think this is unnecessary. I think that you could do something. I, to be honest, I don't know what the NFL ended up doing for Pro Bowl. I know they did something, like some celebration Pro Bowl thing. Oh, no, the Pro Bowl, yeah. It was, it was uh, a Madden or whatever? It was a Madden game. Well, it was a Madden game, and it was like uh, it was just like a, a made-for-TV kind of award show kind of thing. Yeah, I think they could have did something like that. I think they could do something like that. I think that would have been fine. Um, but to me, like, just uh, they, what I would have done is I would have, like, named the All-Stars on All-Star Weekend. Like, that would have been the drama. It would have been. We don't know who's an All-Star until All-Star Weekend. So that's why you're watching the show. And, again, it becomes, like, kind of an awards thing. Uh, I think that would have been better. You, you know, they talk about how scary how scary this thing is in terms of Kobe, which it is, and how much they got to be careful. Just going this far for an exhibition that you say is for the fans, but you're not allowing fans to go seems counterintuitive yeah and like also like let's be honest i mean like the fans like we're just we just want nba games we're just glad we we had a time where there was no nba yeah it feels like a waste of time so like as a fan well yes i do enjoy the all-star game so i am excited to an extent like as a fan if they said there was no all-star game i'd be like well yes we're in a pandemic i'm just glad everybody all these players are safe to a degree yeah yeah, keep them safe, man. Let's come back in a week and let's get these games back going. Yeah, I don't think any fan would be like, ah, why aren't we playing? Yeah, I didn't know. I don't think one person that missed the Pro Bowl. Uh, and now you <laughs> no, that definitely didn't happen. Yeah, but but there was nobody that that was like, why aren't we in a Pro Bowl? Um, I thought it was bizarre. I don't, did you see the beach football game that they were having in Tampa? Flag football game they're playing with T Mac and Doug Flutie. They still did that. That's yeah, they, have, they do. They do that every year. They did that this year. Yeah, they had the Celebrity Beach Bowl. Oh and, <laughs> first of all, Doug Flutie, I mean, you want to talk about, like, incredible performances. I mean, he's he, got he, 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 he can still go? He can still. Can, I mean, can he still go? <laughs> him and Andre. It was him and Andre Reed. First of all, I thought it was so stupid that they had, like, it was Team McGrady and Team Flutie. As if, like, oh, she played a Celebrity Basketball game. Imagine it was Team Flutie versus Team McGrady. <laughs> Not with that play out. But you had one guy with a professional quarterback. But, like, Flutie could absolutely still go. I mean, it was wow. incredible. I mean, on a on, on a sand, on, on sand, I mean, he, he looked like Patrick Mahomes. It was ridiculous. But, I mean, there was no Pro Bowl. And... Nobody, nobody cried about it. I think you can certainly do the same in the NBA, and I, you know, it, I feel like the NBA you can even come up with more interesting like virtual games. Oh you know, yeah. I, they tried the horse thing that didn't work. They could have done. I feel like that was more of a thing of it was such it was so low budget, and yeah. you know, I feel like if you did a more higher, a higher quality, more produced version of that, that would be better. But I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's it's just it's just 
yeah, nobody was really clamoring for it. I don't think we really needed it. And it's unfortunate to me that so many of these guys, like, I, I don't think we're going to get a good All-Star game. I think these guys are going to dog it. Like, I'm really worried about that. I think it's going to be a terrible, I think it's going to be a terrible game. I don't like, I know the way they ended the last year's game ended up making it really great. I don't think that's going to happen. These guys are going to just get in, get out, and whatever. Because a lot of these players, I'm sure they're going to feel like they weren't listening to. They weren't listened to. A lot of them said we should not do this, and they went through it with it anyway. Yeah. So I, I think we're going to get a very terrible All-Star game. Well, Chris Paul. Um, Chris Paul, uh, <laughs> Chris Paul, the funny, he's an interesting figure. Man, Chris Paul wanted this game so he can get another All Star appearance. He wants to rack up that All Star appearance, help booster his Hall of Fame case. I'm joking, Chris Paul. Chris Paul, uh, he's been done. He's done a really good job as a player associate, union coach. But I'm just like, that's what a lot of them have said. A lot of the guys have been like, "Yo, man, I don't like this, but like, you know, I like Chris Paul, so whatever." <laughs> like that's been like a couple of the answers from some of these stars. Yeah. Uh, as far as the starters go. Um, Dane Lillard should be starting. Yeah, that that's that's uh that that's 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 unfortunate that he's not uh that he's not starting to me. Like he's um in directly in this MVP conversation to me. Uh like to me, you know, he he you know, obviously it was a fans that came in and that's why I think, you know, me, I say it every year, fan voting banned from All-Star. We don't need that. It's unnecessary. A lot of people who watch the All-Star game don't vote. So it's just pointless. Like, I don't, it's a pointless, uh, it's a pointless exercise that we do to suggest that it creates fan engagement. I, I just don't think that, I need, someone needs to show me the statistic that because you vote for the All-Star game means you're going to watch. I don't think, I don't, I really don't think that there's any correlation. Um, so we get, Sometimes you get nonsense. I don't think that it's, it's like, yeah, Doncic's numbers are ridiculous. It's not like it's a, some kind of tragedy. He 100% was going to be an all-star anyway. But uh, Damian Lillard carrying Portland through another injury real season to uh, respectability in the Western Conference and being in the mix in the West is, is still remarkable. Dallas, though they've played pretty good ball, we got to give them some credit in recent, uh, in recent days. But, you know, still outside looking in in terms of that top eight teams, Right now, they're in a playing situation. I don't. I just don't think that this was a. That was the right move. I am happy that Bradley Beal is starting. Uh, I I know his team is terrible, but he's Bradley Beal. Like at a certain point, you can't really worry about, you know, uh, win loss record when you lead and lead in scoring. Like you know, like I, I'm glad that that didn't hold him back. And it didn't see. It didn't hold him back. Not just with the fans. It didn't hold him back with the players. All the media. So that was. Uh, I was happy for that at least. He's having 30 points a game. That guy can't not be starting in the All-Star game. Uh, I don't really feel strongly um, in, about any of these. I, I can see the I see the Lillard case. Um, when it comes to starting in the All-Star game, you know, I don't know, maybe it's because this year it, <laughs> the pandemic has certainly, you know, uh, right. you know, made, put things into perspective. If you're going to make the All-Star game, I, I, I don't know. You know whether you start or not, whether that's relevant. But, um, but I do say I do say that you know I agree that Lillard probably should have made it over Doncic. Um, I think Jalen Brown. Obviously, I'm a Celtics fan. I think I mean the media had him second in the backcourt. Um, I don't know if that was behind Kyrie. You think he should have been yeah. over? I guess Kyrie. I'm assuming that would have been over Kyrie because yeah. Kyrie had missed a good amount of games, but. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, he was he didn't he didn't have the fan you know the fan thing that that Kyrie has, 
Um, oh, I'm surprised Beal was so popular amongst the fans. It, it, it's very interesting to me. Uh, he was, I mean, he's the leading vote getter uh, pretty much his whole time. I mean, he's been excellent, so I mean, it makes sense. But yeah. you know, I think the NBA fan has gotten smarter. Um, I do agree with that. Yes, I, yeah. I think more smarter fans are voting. Yeah, you know, I think uh, a lot of that's access to technology. You know, so they made they yeah. made it so easy now. Yeah, you um, just tweet. Yeah, now you just tweet who you think is going to make it, yeah. who, you, who you want to make it. So, yeah, I think we're getting more accurate results. Of course, you're going to still have your meme picks, like, you know, like... Uh, the Derrick Rose is still, I think, in the top ten in fans. <laughs> yeah, Derrick Rose, yeah. He's well, five, he, he, he has, like, a fan base. Like, I get that. Yeah. You know, like, Derrick Rose, I mean, Caruso was, like, a meme pick. He was in the top ten, you know, that kind of stuff. <laughs> but, like... um, But, ultimately, like... And, of course, Luca because of his international appeal... um. Was gonna was gonna get the fan vote in the in the in the West, but uh, yeah, no, it's it's I I don't feel that strongly about it, but you know Jalen Brown, um, I'd feel I'd feel worse if the Celtics were better, but the Celtics have struggled recently. So uh, as well as he's played, you know, it hasn't led to a whole lot of wins. So it's hard for me to bang the table. The East is awful in its own right, so we're still uh, ranked fourth in the Eastern Conference, but you know, it is what it is. Yeah. Um, one thing I will say, if I feel strong about anything, let's get Julius Randle to the All-Star game. Julius Randle, 100%, deserves to be an All-Star. I know it's not going to be easy. I know there are a lot of deserving guys. Obviously, the two guys in Boston, uh, Harden's going to have a say. Zach Levine's going to have a say. Miami has a terrible record, but Butler and, uh, and Bam are going to be under consideration. Julius Randle, for what he's done for the New York Knicks, team that's been a laughing stock uh, for basically ever um, to for bring them to respectability and for the season. Gordon Hayward is going to be in the conversation. Gordon Hayward, and he deserves consideration. Gordon Hayward is going to be consideration too. But Julius Randle needs to be an all-star. His scoring, his rebounding, and his dishing. He, offensively, as, as a complete player, he's really yeah. put it together and had an amazing season. He's the one guy I really yeah. want to lock he's on for. Class. He needs him to get ben, on the all-star him, game. Him and Ben Simmons are clearly on there. Uh, All Star Game push uh, part of the oh season. yeah they both had they've been on tears <laughs> recently yeah Randall at forty the other night forty four Simmons had a huge game the other night so yeah that's they got it people are making their pushes I'm also the NBA has to change the rule I thought it was a rule for whatever reason they I feel they got rid of it just because of LeBron but like I thought it was a rule that you couldn't have the same captains back to no no LeBron's been a captain like every year they need to get yeah. rid of that yeah. Yeah. like. I, no, I mean, I feel like when they talked about, like when they said, when they like announced, they, when they announced the rule that that was going to happen next year, and then they said, "Oh, it's because LeBron moved to the West, so that's why." And then they were just like, "Nah, never mind." You're like, LeBron, <laughs> then they got the rule for LeBron that never happened before. Hmm. That's what it feels like. Because I'm like, when, how cool would it have been to see like Nicole Jokic and Kevin Durant? Like, I'm tired of seeing LeBron pick. First of all, it's just a, it's just a, a an avenue, a vessel for tanking. But like, I mean, <laughs> tampering. tampering. But like, right. regardless, like. Like I'm just tired of seeing LeBron on that stupid show. I don't want to watch it. Like I'm tired <laughs> of watching because just LeBron propaganda. And I don't even hate LeBron, but it's just it, like I want to see other players in that in that in that seat. Just yeah, like you can't we, coach every year. I do agree that we definitely should. It definitely should be a thing where it's 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 every um, it's every other year. Like you can't do it back to back. Just like the coaches, like you know Quinn yeah. Snyder, 
Um, they probably would have gotten. They probably would have had number one record in the West anyway. But but yeah, he was gonna he was gonna get it because Frank Vogel couldn't be the coach of the All Star game. Like that's how it should be for the captains. Like you know, switch it up. If you did last year, you know you you're the top vote getter. Good for you. Like you're 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 a starter, but you're not gonna be a captain. You know, LeBron four years in a row as a well whatever. Yeah, it's been like three or four years in a row. All Star captain. That's we don't need that. Yeah, he's gonna be the All Star captain for like. The next three years, he's gonna be also captain until he retires. Like that's me. Like he's always gonna be a massive vote getter. And again, he's a, a legend, so it's not. I he's earned it. I'm just saying. But like, if you want to liven up the game, yeah, shake it up a little bit. You know, like I yeah, I agree. I would have loved to have seen Jokic or someone, and I think it would have added intrigue because you don't like. We kind of know how LeBron thinks now because we've seen him draft like three or four times. Yeah, he's gonna draft. And we've also had we've also had GM LeBron for the last. 10 years, so it's almost, right. like, I'm almost used to him being in that kind of position of wanting players and who he wants. I want to see someone else in that role. Yeah. I'm happy that it's not Giannis again. Like, I'm really happy it's Kevin Durant. Um, yeah. Because that's Don't a different person. So that'll be interesting. Yeah, so it's like, okay, cool. What's he going to do? You know, he has a teammate would, in like, there. Will like, he draft his teammate first? Like, I know what LeBron thinks about every player in the NBA. First of all, we hear him talk about all these guys. But, like, we've seen him do these, this drafting for the last three, four years. So I've seen him talk about all these guys. Yeah. Like, the typical All-Star. I haven't seen Nicole Jokic break down what he thinks about any of these guys because they don't talk to him. You know, like, I, Kevin Durant, like, will say stuff, but, like, even Kevin Durant we don't see all the time. You know, but, like, I, it was cool to see Giannis last year, but they got to they gotta liven it up. Yeah, yeah, they, they, it deserves a shake-up. Um, Kendall, are you concerned about the Lakers and AD? Right now, um, they're playing tonight against the, the, the Nets as we speak. Um they're down double digits at halftime. Maybe they, who knows? You will know by now when you hear this podcast whether they won or lost. But um, this is a high-profile game, obviously, considering um, the Nets have been a little bit on a tear. They, of course, had this major big three, though Kevin Durant was not in the lineup for that game. Are you concerned about the Lakers and AD? He's going to be out for a while. He's This Achilles thing is, is starting to kind of linger. He's now got a Achilles strain. He's going to be out for a little while. I've seen uh, Richard Jefferson you know, say that he thinks that you know, the Nets and the Clippers now need to have serious consideration as title contenders because of AD's health. I, I, I think that we are starting to get there. You know, I kind of been sitting this season feeling like, man, I just feel the Lakers are going to be inevitable again. But AD has not put together the greatest season, even before the injuries. I, I kind of feel like he's been kind of taking it slow because of the short turnaround. I think LeBron has actually put it much more pedal to the metal this season than AD has. And then AD was starting to get nicked to next, which is what he always gets. You know, like, if there was any drawback to any idea of wanting to acquire AD, this has always been it. It's always been, he's a great player, but he gets injured. He misses games. It's going to happen. And you, can you, is he good enough to absorb that kind of injury for him to come back and still, you know, dominate, put your team in a position to be championship contenders? Last year... First year in L.A., he had almost really no issues I can think of. He had a great season, um, MVP caliber kind of season. I think he should have won Defensive Player of the Year. And there was, it was all great, and they won a championship. Um, but this year, it's starting to feel more like a typical AD season, to be honest. And LeBron is playing outstanding ball again. I think that asking LeBron to do this again with AD not playing at the level he was playing last season I don't know if it'll necessarily be an issue in the West per se, because I think these Western Conference teams still are kind of messing around. 
Like, I don't know if I necessarily agree with Richard Jefferson that, like, the, the Clippers are now, like, definitely a team to consider because uh, I just saw them in a big plot against Utah uh, laying egg. Um, and Utah looks great, but they're Utah. So it's, it's a situation where it's like, how much am I allowed to really believe in them? What are you saying about the great state of Utah, EJ? Oh, nothing about the great state. I'm talking about their basketball team. And I'm not doing a shack. I'm not hating on Donovan Mitchell for some <laughs> weird reason. I'm not doing that. Uh, I love their team. You guys know I, I've always loved Quinn Snyder. I love the way they play basketball. And it, it feels, you know who the Jazz feel like? I know this is a Lakers segment, but the Jazz to me can know and answer me and tell me if I'm off on this or you, or you see me here. They remind me of that Hawks team that won 60 games this season. Uh, They look like a team that's, I'm not, like, that's like they're, well, they've been together for so long. They know what they're doing. They're, they, they play together. And they got guys that are just in the primes of their careers, and that's why you're seeing this them play so well. This team is more talented than that Hawks team was. That's the only reason why I can't go that far. But I agree. I I, under, I understand the premise of the, of what you're saying. But I just feel like they didn't have a talent like Mitchell. Like Gobert is, I mean, like Horford and Gobert are probably comparable. But like Gobert is an elite defensive player. Um, so that's why it's tough for me to say that. But this team had four All Stars. This team is not gonna have four All Stars. Like. In the grand scheme of the NBA and uh, NBA history, like Corver and Teague are role players, and they had a good seasons that year, great seasons. Right. But um, you know, I mean, they were one time All Stars, and Millsap and Horford, I mean, one of the best front courts in the NBA at the time. But um, to me, like I think Mitchell is better than anybody on that team was. Um, yeah, because I think Joe at that point was. I mean, Joe has been as good as Mitchell is this year. So wait, but, so which, which Hawks team are we talking about? Are we talking about the team that had because Joe Johnson was in Brooklyn by that point. Oh, you're right. He was in Brooklyn at that point. Yeah, I'm thinking about the team with Corver, Teague, Millsap, Horford, and that's why I feel like Mitchell Mitchell's better than any of those guys. You know, yeah. so I feel yeah. like if you're talking about a playoff series. That is now. If you're talking about the Hawks team that did have Joe Johnson, you know that struggled. Um, that's a, that actually maybe a more closer comparison. But I'll say I don't know if that team was the one seed. But yeah, I don't. I mean, yeah, no, to, yeah, I, I got my yeah. But you're right. Yeah, I'm talking about the 61 team that did not have Joe Johnson. Yeah, yeah, Mitchell's obviously better than than their best guys. Yeah, it's a similar kind of team where it's like, are they a real contender? Maybe not. But I I feel like they're. It's probably an even better example of a team that did have, like, one star player um, that was, like, a one seed, but, like, just... <laughs> we got and, I, and, I, and I say that to say, I think the Jazz will probably go pretty far, but there's no way they're getting out of the West. That's right, how right. I look at them. I look at them as a team that's really good. They're legit. Like, they're going to pummel whoever they play in the first round, probably. And they may win a second round matchup. But if they play Lakers in the conference finals, which is basically what's going to happen... That's going to end in a sweep or a four game. I mean, assuming AD is, is healthy, which is a big assumption, but just like that Hawks team barely got, about- they got washed by the Cavs. I think that same thing is going to happen. That's the feeling I have. It depends on how you feel about Mitchell. I think could Mitchell put on a heroic performance on, to the likes of Dwayne Wade? Here's what, here's what I'll say, Kendall, though. Last year we saw. Jamal Murray kind of play like that, right? And the Nuggets Both got, and they had Jokic for a longer stretch. And the Nuggets yeah. got beat in five games. 
Yeah. So, yeah. to me, do I think that Mitchell will play way better than Murray did against the Lakers in that series when Murray was fantastic? No, I don't think he's that much better in this series. So, if that's the case, it's like, okay, well, even if he plays a little bit better, the Nuggets, who had another superstar who's better than anybody on this Jazz team, lost in five games. I think the Lakers are taking a slight step back because AD isn't what he was last year. But is that enough to beat this team? I don't see that. Do I think that they could beat the Clippers? 100%. I mean, there was great evidence this week that that could happen. But, again, I know this is supposed to be AD segment. And maybe we're on the fly here. Maybe we're just starting to a Jazz segment. But that's the concern I have with them is, and you talk about Mitchell, but to me, it's actually more the other guys. Like, what I, what I feel like in the playoffs and what we've seen is the teams that are able to have, like, other players who, when the pressure is at its hottest, can ball and get buckets, those are the teams that win. And what we saw in the Eastern Conference was the Bucks did not have those guys. The Heat did. Even yeah. with Butler playing the way he was playing, Hero could get 37 in a closeout game. Rodgers can, could, could get 30 in a game. Jay Crowder, Jay Crowder can hit big shots and get 25 and randomly in the game. Like, they got guys who I felt like we didn't, we, we didn't know. We saw it happen. We, we, we eventually saw. They had guys that when the pressure was at its hottest, they could have explo- Duncan now Robinson. Tyler Hero, uh, Machine Gun, Lou Williams. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> 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 we're going to be nice to Tyler Hero on this podcast. Um, they, like, they, like, like, they had guys that when the pressure was at its hottest, those guys would play great. Again, Duncan Robinson. Just incredible games. I look at this Jazz team. Do I see those guys on this team? Jordan Clarkson's had an unbelievable season. And At least had a return. He's kind of and, and and like Jordan Clarkson's. He's kind of been great since he got to Utah. It's kind of been under the radar. He played great last season. And yeah, played, that was a great. Uh, it was a great acquisition. He's playing great this season. Do I really think when they got to go up against the Lakers? Jordan Clarkson is, is giving me 18 tonight. And he's going to have a game where he gets 25 or 30. I just, I'm not there yet. Um, Bogdanovich, I've seen Bogdanovich play great against LeBron James in the playoffs. So I, I he is the real deal. He, he's a big shot maker. But, you no, know, some of these other guys, you know, Conley, he's had a good season, but he's 33 years old. You know, like, like it's just, what, what happens is in the playoffs, you're just able to key in on that number one guy. And, some, and like sometimes, you know, the greatest players, they still have to get theirs. And then Mitchell will have games where he would still get his. But it's, okay, when they really are able to kind of, like, neutralize him, are there other guys who can really go off? And uh, do I think that they, not in the regular season. I mean, like, when, the, again, the pressure is at its hottest. I, I got to see more evidence of that before I So I go think off. the West is wide open. I think, you know, Richard Jefferson brings up the Clippers. I think you got to bring up the Jazz. I think you got to yes. bring up. You know, I, this team hasn't played particularly well, but I I still think you have to bring up the Nuggets simply because of how well Nikola Jokic is playing. I that agree with that. They're gonna be a, if those other guys finally if they just figure it out by by May or whatever the playoffs is, like you know, then they're gonna be a tough out because Jokic is playing. He's playing like a top three or four player in the NBA right now, and you know that I mean, if AD isn't fully healthy. I don't know if the Lakers have anybody stop. You know, I don't know. I don't, I don't think anybody on the planet right now can really stop Nicole Jokic. But 
it's it's those other guys. You know, and I know, I know this team had still losing games. So, and, and I know this team had a really, 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 really rough uh, loss this week. But I, I'm still high on the Suns, because um, to me, I know Chris Paul can play that way. Like, I think that team is. I, I think they're a regular season team, but could oh, they could they could they upset the team in the playoffs? They, they have Jay Crowder. Mikael Bridges is really coming along. Aiden's kind of had a weird season. I think I know. I thought he he could be an all star this year, and you know he's played okay. I think the offensive the offensive impact, and it's funny he actually talked about it this week where he says that you know in the pick and roll with, actually with Paul, they're really he's, I mean they're really trying to take him away, and it's, it's it's getting Paul a lot of great open looks, um, and that's why Paul's having a, another great season and may be an all star again, but. Um, but I thought his offensive output would be better. But I mean, he's still averaging, you know, thirteen and twelve, um, shooting a high percentage. He's having a good year. And Crowder's having a good year. You know, my guy Cam Johnson. Like, they 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 are a deep team. I and I, you know and again, I gotta be convinced that there are other guys who in those spots can have big games. I know Chris Paul and Jay Crowder can have big games in those big situations. But you know, we didn't. You know, we didn't mention. Who we didn't uh, mention? Devin Booker never played in the playoffs, so that's the that's the part where we just don't yeah. know what the feet. Yeah, you know, I but that. you know, but to be fair, like Devin Booker, you know, <laughs> I mean, he's a he's a nuclear weapon. Yeah, he's a nuclear weapon. We know, we know what he can do offensively. Big shots, yeah. you know, has hit big shots since he was a rookie. So um, he may be one of the few guys who hasn't played in the playoffs that I'm not really worried about playing on that stage. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm not really bringing up the Suns in terms of making the finals, but if throw my team that could beat the Lakers in a playoff series, you know, I, I agree that it's wide open though. I, that's, that's my, that was my point is that I think that there are teams here that can make some runs. Portland's playing well, you know, I mean, I mean, I, I know I felt like early in the season, I kind of was dismissive, but yeah, it, it feels like Portland is coming into their groove. And the fact that they're doing it without CJ McCollum is shocking. But well, Damian Lillard is, is, is as good remember, a guard as there is in the league, if not the best. It's shocking, but we have to we have to remember that he was hobbled last year in the bubble, and they still were playing really good basketball. Um, he was still playing good, but you know, obviously, he was. They had to. They kind of had to help him along the way. Um, and Covington's offense has been a disaster, but he has played really good defense this year. Yeah, he's made, yeah. he's made some big defensive stops late in games. He's made some big deflection. He had big deflection the other night. Um, who did they play the other night? I forgot who they played the other night. But uh, oh, was it uh, 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 Philly? I think Philly, right. Yeah, Philly, yeah. Good, he had big defensive deflection that ended the game. You know, like uh, you know, they didn't even shoot better than how he's shooting. But they were and Mello that, that was the difference. Yes, and, and that was the difference to me. And I, I, I told you guys I hated the trade. We got to see what he does in the postseason for me to justify the trade because they gave up two first-round picks. But what I will say is, like, one of the, they were clearly missing that kind of guy against the Lakers. Not only were they completely decimated by injury, but one of the reasons why you were right and I was wrong, I said that the, the, the Blazers could give them a game, a series, the Lakers, and you said, who's guarding LeBron? Who Do they have anybody athletic on the wing? And I said, it doesn't matter. It turns out it, it mattered a great deal. Covington does make them a little more interesting. Derek Jones does make them a little more interesting only because of that aspect. And right. and and then you we didn't mention a guy I think who's been 
maybe he should be in the conversation of most improved player, Gary Trent. Gary Trent is had a great season this year. Yeah, yeah. Um, big shot maker. He's an excellent defensive player. He's gonna get himself a lot of money. And I and I love that draft pick. That's a, a EJ favorite in that second round that year. Uh, yeah. Drafting Gary Trent. I, to me, him falling was absurd. And he's coming, and he's been a, a great contributor. He's coming to the starting lineup, and the fact that he's coming and played so well, you know, he get like he's not CJ McCollum, but CJ McCollum don't defend like him, and he nah. can make shots. So he again, he's not CJ McCollum, but him bringing some of that defense, some of that energy, is is going a long way. And they've even I've seen a couple of games where they've even played them all three in the backcourt together. And they've so, played well without Nurkic. You know, know, a lot of, you know, Cantor has been out there bringing in they haven't had They haven't had Zach Collins all year. No. They ain't going to have him all year. Like, you know, he, I mean, he's always hurt, but. Yeah. Um, the, see, the thing is that we're talking about the West is wide open where I feel like the East. I'll be honest, as a Celtics fan, you know, it pains me to say this, but I have a hard time believing if the Nets are healthy, they don't make the finals. Um, yeah. I, I mean, as a Knicks fan, it pains me to say this, but, uh, to me, only the Sixers can beat the Nets. That's how I feel today. The Bucks look like a, look like a mess. Um, it's really, I mean, I, I don't, I, I, I don't know. They, and that's really disappointing, I guess, because they, they really thought, you know, bringing in Holiday, bringing in some of the moves they made. Really I mean, you know me. I thought that was, I thought that was. Yeah, uh, you thought it was not a good move. Yeah, I was like, what you are we doing? It was, you thought it just was not real. Yeah, it was not a move that was going to move the needle. You were right. And they had this stretch here. They played some decent teams. But then they lost some bad teams. Okay, you lost to the Jazz and Suns. That's not anything to uh, be disappointed in. Um, but then you lose to the Thunder. You lose to the Raptors in back-to-back home games. I mean, come on now. The Raptors don't even have a home. They go on the road, and they still whoop you. Not not yeah. beat you. They beat you by double digits both games. Both games yeah. not that competitive. Uh so they they're not they're not a championship contender. I'm done with the Bucs. And the Eastern Conference is just a mismatch. I mean, we you know you know Boston's issues better than anybody. Yeah. Um I mean you have your best player talking about how he's still dealing with COVID. Yeah, yeah. That's Jason Tatum's like I can't breathe. Like, you know, like I mean <laughs> that's not good. He's trying to yeah. play against Kevin Durant. Um so he has issues. Uh Philly, I know they've kind of you know that super the Kemba Walker thing is sad. We all love Kemba. I know but. Kemba's he's a great guy. Um, yeah, man. And and but it, it looks it, it looks like he's on the back nine. It, it looks and that's like, the, and that's the thing about Kemba is that like you know it, it feels different than Kyrie. Like when Kyrie was struggling, I think we all kind of knew that like it was something mental that was bothering him. You know, it could have been physical. He had knee, he was having knee problems, but like you, and you see like now he's in Brooklyn. He's certainly in his, the happiest he's been since his probably his early Cleveland days. Like, with Kemba, I don't get the sense that it's anything other than, because Kemba, you know, he plays, he gives his, he gives it at all, you know. No, he's not dogging it. He's not dogging it. He's no. not, I'm out of it. I don't really, I mean, he seems like just, it's, he, he's limited. Yeah, he's just not but the same guy. So it's for shot making. So that's why I'm not, I'm not. I'm concerned. That's why I'm not like hitting the panic right, button, writing him off completely. I'm not writing him off because it's shot making, and I feel like Kemba has always been a shot maker. So, 
he's not hitting shots right now. I don't know why. Some of that does have to do with your lift and your ability to separate and other things. But um, point blank, if Kemba isn't what they thought he would be and what he has been, what he was they last, no, they have no chance. If he yeah, they have no chance. Danny Ainge said it himself on the radio this week that he said the team, as presently constituted, is not a championship contender. Of course not. <laughs> they're fourteen and fourteen. They're they're not like some. Like, we, we, these teams have hype, and these teams have prestige, but we got to look at some of these teams and what they are. Yeah. I mean, thir- 28 games is a decent sample size. Not, it's it's not complete, but it's it's good enough. Yeah. And they're, they're a 500 team right now. And to me, like, them, they, they're similar to Denver, where I feel like I think both the Celtics and Denver, I would throw Dallas in that conversation, but Dallas doesn't have any assets. But I feel like the Celtics and Denver are the two teams that, like, could if they can if they can make a move, could be back in the championship picture. Denver but should should make a move. Denver probably should. Like the Celtics seem kind of stuck. Whereas like I mean, what can you do? Um, Denver are also they're they're also kind of stuck, but they have young players that they could give up. I mean, I guess the the only thing Denver is really holding on to is the idea that you know, okay, maybe if this isn't our year, eventually it will be because we're so young. But right, don't panic. Yeah, but I just feel Jamal like it's the problem though. Like, what do you do with Murray? Like coming off of last year, we thought Murray was untouchable. And he had earned that with what he did in the bubble. He had earned that distinction, but this season he's been He looks uh, like Jamal Murray. <laughs> Let's call well, it what it is. He looks how, like what he's been. How he's historically been. Yeah. He's still untouchable. I mean, people have said that about Tyler Hero saying the Heat made a massive mistake. Not moving Tyler Hero over James Harden, if that's Yo, man. We gotta keep it a buck. I heard, I saw Jason Tatum say it. I think he was talking to the Knuckleheads podcast. I think it was them. Um, yeah. He said, "I went down to Orlando. We were playing in the bubble. There were some guys that yeah, did yeah, not yeah. play the way they played, like in the bubble. And I was like, yeah. Yo, I got plays different down here." Yeah, like the fans aren't here. I don't know what it is, but that guy. He, and you said this game it's funny because yeah, Tyler Hero was on that joint too. It was yeah, it was it was Quentin Richardson, Hero, and Tatum. Yeah, <laughs> Hero kind of people were like Hero's laughing because he's talking about him. Right, he's talking about himself. But like yo, like Jamal Murray, that's what he looks like. Yeah, like, like Jamal Murray looked like an All NBA guard. Like let's yeah. just call it, that's what he looked like in the playoffs. So for the drop off to be so stark. No, I mean, there's no fans now, but it's just a different arena. You're playing out like a in a gym, like like oh, yeah. man, maybe just like how everything was set up. He just was in a different zone, like yeah, he's comfortable. But and, and he's not the only guy. There are a lot of guys like that. I, mean, I don't mean to single him out, but like like Tatum saying that, I think was interesting to me because we we've seen guys like man, this guy he was playing great in the bubble. He just hasn't taken the leap. I would have thought. Yeah, like, what's going on? TJ Warren, yeah, I thought TJ Warren was gonna be an offense. I mean, TJ Warren, and and get fairness to TJ Warren, he's dealing with that plantar franchitis, and that's yeah. apparently really hobbled him this year. But I mean, yeah, Warren just looked like an all star. He looked like yeah. he looked unguardable, and yeah, he, was, now he he looks like TJ again. It's not like these guys are going back to being terrible players. They just look like what yeah. they were. <laughs> they look like exactly what they were. Like Jamal Murray looks like Jamal Murray. TJ Warren looks like TJ Warren. Tyler Hero looks like Tyler Hero. They look like the guys they were before the bubble. Yeah. You know, so I think that, you know, for some of these teams, Denver to me is like, Boston's in a tough situation because they don't have, they have two superstars. So 
unless you're going to make some crazy trade that's going to involve one of them. Like, I don't see a trade that's there that improves your team that much with the assets they have. Yeah. Denver has assets. And I think at the time they thought, okay, maybe we don't because we actually think Murray is the future of this team. Uh, maybe he needs to be part of those assets you're really willing to get rid of. You know? And, yeah. you know, Porter, I didn't get to read the article, but someone had just recently posted an article. I don't know what outlet. But they were talking about, you know, his defense kind of being holding him back. And I watch it in games where yeah. you can't leave him out there because his focus yeah. is not there defensively. And he's making too many mental errors. And for a guy that's that talented offensively, it kills his team that he can't play 35 minutes a night. That you don't yeah. play him 25 because his defense is so uneven. So some of these guys are talking about, like, like they're not, to me, they they have a good future, but they're not a team that has this Teflon future. Who's the player like, out there for Denver? I mean, obviously the player is Bradley Denver Beal. should be trying to trade for Bradley Beal. But let's, I mean. That to me is easy. I mean that Washington is still on the, like, he's untouchable thing. I mean, if I told you you can get Porter and Murray. They got to do that trade to me. If that's if you <laughs> can get those two guys, I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah, and for Denver, you got to make that trade. Monty Murray becomes your starting point guard, but you'll be all right. Beal with Jokic, you have two top ten players in the league. Yeah. And if I have two top ten players in the league, now I feel like I'm on the Lakers level. Who also have two top ten players in the league. So, and I feel like, I mean, Brooklyn, you know, we don't know what Brooklyn is, but they also have, like, they they might also have three. They have three top ten players in the league. Um, Certainly three top 15. So, but, yeah, you have to make that move. And I don't know if that's the problem. I don't know if there's another guy out there. You know, obviously, Blake Griffin's on the market now. I, 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 think, think, Denver, I think Denver, we didn't, we really, I don't think, I didn't underestimate. Because I thought him leaving was crushing. But them losing Jeremy and Grant, I think, is, is just been devastating. Yeah. Jeremy Grant, right? Jeremy Grant. Yeah, yeah what did I say? Did I said Jeremy? I didn't mean that. Jeremy <laughs> Grant. I meant to say Jeremy. Oh. I don't know what I said. <laughs> Jerry and Grant. I mean, no, no, no. Uh, that wasn't a big loss. Yeah, Jeremy Jer- uh, Jeremy Grant, Moo Grant, losing him, it's just a killer. Uh, because I think that's one of the biggest aspects they're missing. Um, yeah. That, 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 that combo forward, wing defender, jack-of-all-trades guy. He just was such a good plug-in player. For Michael Malone and not having him and replacing him with Will Barton, he just ain't it. Uh, the Barton, Celtics similar yeah, position. Barton has his; he has what he's capable of, but he's a kind of a scorer. He's just a scorer. Like that's like he doesn't really bring much else to the table, and and he's not that doesn't bring a lot of length. So it's just a big, big decline when he yeah, gets Celtics losing uh, Gordon Hayward. Um, we don't know if Hayward's. Uh, resurgence is because of a different system in a different situation or if it's because he's healthy now and set more separated off of that injury more time elapsed from that injury but I, either way given the amount of injuries that they've had this season and the uh, uneven play of Kemba Walker like having Gordon Hayward uh, for a team that feels like they're kind of one piece away would have been Excellent, especially yeah. if Hayward's able to play the same way. I don't think he would have been as productive, but, but you know, again, you know, who knows? I do think it's interesting that, the you know, the two best versions of Gordon Hayward that we've seen have been on teams where he was the guy. And I think that there are certain players in the league that need that 
um, that need that situation. I think R.J. Barrett is one of those types of players. I think that's what he will end up being. You know, I think DeMar DeRozan is one of those types of players as well. There's a certain guy that can't be just a piece. And I kind of think that's what Zach Levine is too. And I think that, you know, for Nick fans, there's like some, some Nick fans that say, you know, they should, they should make the deal, be aggressive and go after someone like Zach Levine. I just, and there are other teams like a Denver. I've heard him be like an alternate to, to, uh, to, um, Beal. to, to getting bills. Oh, they should go after someone like Zach Levine. I, I, I just don't know if Levine on a, on a, on a lesser role is raising your win total. Like to me, He's he to me he looks like a guy who's a scorer who like his maximum value is gonna be probably on kind of like a bad team but like maybe he makes you semi respectable because he's he's a decent scorer but him as your third option just the way his game is I I don't know if that would work like I don't like like I don't know if he works with Jokic because he's so ball dominant yeah yeah I yeah I like Murray I, Murray works because Murray like is is so willing to play off the ball. Levine's a shooting guard, but he dribbles the ball a lot. He's always in the action. Like, how would he play being a secondary away from the action? Is he capable of doing that? I've seen him try that, and it seemed like his value was he good a good player, not a not a superstar or all star. You know, and that was years ago in Memphis. I mean, in Minnesota and early in Chicago, and he's grown into a different player now. But I don't know if I'm running to get him to be my secondary guy. We I, don't could go on. I don't know if he's good enough to be my best guy and maybe take me to the playoffs. That's a, we we could go on for like hours, but I, I yeah, will. This, was a, this was an AD topic, and this is how yeah, this is called. Yeah, right? yeah, it's just now it's just NBA roundup. Yeah, this, I mean, this is what we are. What? Yeah, what? It, the last thing I wanted to mention is what's the deal with Minnesota? I know they're the, obviously they're the worst team in the league, so like, who I'm cares? I'm glad you mentioned that. Like, I know Towns obviously dealt with a whole lot in this offseason, so this isn't really a what's wrong with Carl Towns segment, but more so just that franchise. What? situation are where are they because they had the number one pick in the draft which was an awesome gift for them but like it was also an awkward time for them because they had two young star players one guy i would argue a superstar and the other you know it's been an all-star um you know both of them haven't had the, the best seasons obviously towns we understand russell you know going out he's now he's gonna be out for like weeks with an injury yeah. um he's been shaky and edward i think has been fine he might. He's gonna be an all rookie guy, but he hasn't changed life for them. I mean, you were you had said that Towns would be the next star traded. Obviously, we were both wrong. I said Booker. You said Towns. It was James Harden. <laughs> Who would have thought? But um, it seems like Towns' future is in Minnesota. I don't even think his foreseeable future is in Minnesota. Do you I'll think be he's gonna be? You think he might be traded this in a couple of weeks? I don't know if it would be in a foreseeable future. I mean, that that's that yeah. means. I I, I I would say I don't think he would be a Timberwolf pass next, this, next season. Yeah, I don't think going into next season, I don't think he's going to be a, a T Wolf. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, he, like, look, man, Charles Conley Town. That that dude's been through a lot. Um, yeah, you yeah, mean he talks about how his COVID battle wasn't easy. Yeah, you know? yeah, you know the genetics that his mom had. That you know, of course, he has. Uh, his mom passed away from COVID made the battle he had with Kobe very difficult. And, I mean, look, I, I think that the, the, the T-Wolves, I don't know. They, they, it's and I'll be honest, I think the New York Knicks are, are a candidate for John Towns, by the way. But, I'll let you finish. I mean, I just feel like the T-Wolves, 
I mean, I, I get the Russell trade was a good trade because you got rid of um, Wiggins. You got rid of Wiggins. Yeah. Uh, so, like, just getting away from that deal and getting away from him, I think, was worth it. But they better put your draft picks in the top three because that was the top three protected. Yeah, yeah. The, the pick is gonna is gonna hurt. If that pick but, is like five, <laughs> then the, the yeah. Warriors made out like bandits. It probably will be with the way this is going. Um, but I, I, it was worth the risk to put Towns and Russell together. Those guys, you know, have a good relationship. But sometimes things just aren't in the cards, and that's just a feeling I get with this pairing and this team. And that's why you know we got a little, we got criticized a little bit. And you know, fair is fair. They didn't really get any time last year together. But I, I, something about just a feeling of Russell and Towns. This wasn't going to work out. Like, yeah. the, the West was too hard. Those guys are very good players, but not good enough to make a difference with the team that they have. And they just seem to be like a team, like, they kind of have an identity crisis. Because they have two young stars who have been to the playoffs, and in theory, they're in the point of their career, but they should be trying to, like, make the playoffs. But then they have, like, the rest of the roster that's absolutely not built to win. Like, they have some talented players, but they don't have a collection of guys that make sense for a team that's trying to compete for a playoff spot. So I don't really know what yeah. the T-Wolves are really trying to accomplish this year. You got a young guy in Edwards, young guy in Culver. Um, you brought back Beasley. And look, the guy Beasley, Beasley's playing good this year. He played great last year. Obviously, he has the off-the-court off stuff that he's got to deal with. Um, so, okay, like, hey, you maybe bring him back. You think he's part of the mix to help you. But, you know, Naz Reed has played well, but he's getting a lot of time. He's a young guy. They they don't have veteran, stable guys besides Beasley and Rubio. I told you that in the, in the offseason. Like, who, who thought it was a good idea for Anthony Edwards, for Anthony Edwards' like, vets, quote-unquote, to be D'Angelo Russell and Malik Beasley? <laughs> and, like, that, those guys should be, like, the veteran presence in the locker room. And, of course, Carl Anthony Town. Like... They, they, they like like that would be a great environment for Jay McDaniel. It's been so crazy, Kendall, that that Andy Edwards is being praised for being a leader on the team. Yo, he's like, I'm those, the leader. I'm like, are we, are we he's like, like, he's like, he's like Ricky Rubio is, is crediting is crediting uh, Edwards for helping him with his confidence. <laughs> I mean, it's just, I mean, look, they're Andy not Edwards. they're Dude. not well put together. Like I know yeah. Rose Ice is early on; he's it's early in his tenure there. He deserves some time, but to me, this offseason, this needs a whole shakeup. Like this, this ain't this ain't it. This roster is going nowhere. Yeah. This team is going nowhere. The guy I'm targeting, if I'm the T Wolves, if I can get to that spot. First of all, I'm moving on from Russell, and this could yeah, be a whole like draft video type of recommendation. Yeah. I think I think you got to make the move for Jalen Suggs. And you say to yourself, I'm going to get the Gonzaga point guard who's from Minnesota. Um, He's a culture guy. You know, he's a he's a quarterback. He plays hard, plays defense. Um, You move on from Russell. Maybe you keep Towns. Maybe you don't. I mean, if you're moving on from Russell, that would suggest that Towns may one out as well. And I wouldn't be afraid to um, acquiesce to that to that situation because he seems like a guy that needs a change of scenery in his life. So, um, you know, I mean, if you can get value back for him, that'd be that obviously that'd be awesome. But, um, you know, I to me, I'm making a move to try and get Jalen Suggs, and 
I think that's a, that's a step in the right direction. You know, obviously, Gerson Rosas didn't hire Ryan uh, Saunders, so no. you know that that's that'll be his thing. Is that, that look, I didn't hire this coach, so Ryan Saunders will be out of a job next year, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, but, Saunders will not be back. Um, but you know, I think that's the next step for this team. Yeah, it's just man, I, I knew it would be a, a tough climb. I just didn't think it would be just this terrible. Like I, I mean. Considering all cats gone through, maybe we should have. But like for them to be this far away, I mean they're literally like nowhere near the second worst team in the West. Like, like they're five and a yeah, half back behind bad, the, the only Thunder. bad team in the Western Conference. Yeah, <laughs> like, like you know, you know, the Thunder are eleven and seventeen. They're seven and twenty-two. That's the next worst team. Yeah. So like the Thunder still have playoff aspirations. Like they're they're not out of it. So like it just speaks to just how terrible this team is and. You got a player like the caliber of Towns, and his second best player is, Rus- is Russell. You're like, okay, you think you're working with something, and then you got the number one pick. You say, oh man, we should at least be competitive. And your record is seven and twenty-two. I mean, that that to me tells me you have a roster that's crazy out of whack, and or you have the complete wrong coach. And sadly, I think the answer is is both. Last thing, Kendall, before we get out of here, I know this was a cat. I know this was an Anthony Antonio Anthony, uh, 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 Anthony Davis segment. We didn't get much into AD. Uh, but we're we're running out of time. Um, we'll talk about AD at some point. Uh, Fernando Tatis Jr., um, my favorite non-Met in baseball right now. He's also the richest Met, non-Met or Met or anybody really, or one of the richest at least. Yeah, um, who's not named Mike Trout? Right. Yeah. Um, or uh, Mookie Betts. Yeah. So on an annual basis, uh, Trevor Bauer. Um, 14 years, 300 plus million dollars for the uh, just superstar talent, obviously, for the for the uh, for the uh, San Diego Padres. Kendall, I feel like this is the first time I've seen a, 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 a 10 plus year, 300 plus million. It was 340 million to be exact for Tatis. This is the first day where I saw this money and saw these years and I was just like, yeah, no, that's yep. a great deal. That's 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 that was a great move. Like that's no, no, no regrets at all. <laughs> um, and I'm happy this happened. And I'm like, I, and I want to go on a, on a different angle, even beyond you know, for the Padres. Padres have seen a lot of really talented players leave town. Um, you know, Jeff Passan was kind of talking about it, and he's right. I mean, besides Tony Gwynn, it seemed like every any other great talent that's come up in San Diego eventually was gone, and. That you know, and they did sign Manny Machado, and he's kind of it's kind of been an up and down you know kind of thing for him, but uh, but you know they needed to have this kind of homegrown talent. They couldn't afford to get him, leave to get him out of there or get get him to leave. I know arbitration wasn't nearby. Like this is unprecedented. You don't see a guy this young just sign on for this kind of money. But teams don't yeah. teams don't offer this. And I, and like first of all, the Padres deserve some credit because like they're not trying to nickel and dime this kid. Like they could nickel and dime them and be like, nah, we're gonna wait till you go through your regular arbitration. We'll give you your yeah. one year, eight million dollars. You, you, you're uh, what do they call it in baseball? Like your experience years or whatever. Yeah, you know. Yeah, they could nickel, they could nickel and dime this kid until they had to pay him or just let him walk. But like, first of all, shout out to them for the commitment to be like, no, this is a guy who we want as a face of baseball, and we need to get that money. But also, I I just like that this deal happened. I like that this was big news because I think it just speaks to the kind of buzz that baseball needs. You know, 
I, I you know, we're we're both video game players. We both love MLB the Show, and I feel like the promotional campaign for MLB the Show this year with Fernando Tatis has been some of the best promotional campaign for anything involving Major League Baseball in the last fifteen years. Yeah, it's fun. It's engaging. It's lead. It's it's bringing the fun aspects of this player to the sport. It's his face all everywhere. He's- he he is definitely trending towards becoming the face of the sport. Trending, transcendent star. Yeah, you know we're we're we he's he's got he's got to deal with Gatorade. Um, you know he's in the Gatorade commercials now. Um, like the only thing, and this is what people have argued: is it a good is it good for baseball to have that guy in San Diego, and. I don't think that San Diego is like I don't think it's the worst place to have a star. I'll be honest. You know, it's on the West Coast. Um, you know, I you know, I Which is not great. I mean, you know, late time games, you know. That that's that's not ideal. Yeah, but it's not not ideal, it's not I guess we're talking about like framing him as like a star, like he's like he's not far he's in Southern California. I mean he's not he's not states away from LA. You know, he's he's down the road. So, you know, I do I I don't I'm not I'm not as concerned. Um, And then also, honestly, I don't think that where you play is as important in today's uh, sports landscape. Um, I think we saw we've seen it in the NFL with Patrick Mahomes. Like. You can be a superstar and as big of a superstar really anywhere now are there certain places where your your name will resonate more yes i think that is more i think that i think to me that's more relevant for guys that aren't transcendent talents though i was gonna say that too yeah yeah i like for example because Giannis like, and pat mahomes to me are like clear signs of that yeah like Giannis is getting a disney movie like yeah. at like 26 like you know I i think his brand is fine but you know, for someone like, you know, you look at the Knicks, you look at how big, like, Emmanuel Quickly has gotten. He's getting GQ articles written about him. Like, that wouldn't happen. It's not happening for Peyton Pritchard. You know, it's not happening yeah. for Tyrese Maxey. It's not happening for Tyrese Talbert, who's had a better year. Yeah. It's happening for Emmanuel Quickly because he's a Nick. Yeah. He's playing in New York. So, yeah. like, that kind of stuff, yeah, it matters for those guys. You know, for Victor Cruz versus, like, Justin Jefferson. Or Odell versus Justin Jefferson. Like, how many people know who Justin Jefferson is outside of football fans? Not many. Yeah. Those same people knew who Victor Cruz and knew who Odell were. Exactly. For Fernando Tatis, like he might be trending in that Mahomes, the honest level. That's what the that's what MLB has to hope. Um, I don't think you need those kind of guys to be on the on the Red Sox, on the Yankees, on the Cubs, on the Dodgers. I mean, that's great if they are, but on in some in some instances, it's actually better to have those guys in other spots to help promote the game and keep the the health of the the league at, at an all-time high so i think it's interesting i think it's cool uh as a giants fan uh it's it's not ideal for the nl west uh yeah <laughs> to have uh tatis and bets you know long term you know giants meanwhile uh hitching our wagon to uh mike yashrimsky <laughs> <laughs> you know so it's an interesting it's an interesting time to be a giant fan but I still look at the banners and I remind myself it's the law of averages. Yeah, I mean the the, the re- most recent banner is hanging in Los Angeles is not hanging in San Francisco. That just needed to be said. Uh, 
to get yeah, some, sure. to bring some bring some reality back to I the know, podcast. It's yeah, it's rare. I, I look. I live in. I live in the hex. Hashtag WandaVision. <laughs> the Giants have won. A, they've won their fifth World Series <laughs> in an odd number of year, and <laughs> the world is the world is great. Are we going through history? Like, is like, did you have like, did you live through a Barry Bonds World yeah, Series? Through Bonds. You, lived, you lived through a Willie McCovey World Series. You lived through a yeah. Willie Mays World Series. Yeah. And we were in New York for a little bit. And now we're. I just, I just like, I just love that, you know, to me, I, I love that this happened because for the buzz it creates for the sport, you know, th- this sport is just not as hot as it was. It's just facts. And they so badly need a transcendent faith. They so badly need to prop up somebody and say, this is the one. And is Tatis the one? I mean, he damn sure looks like it. But... Even if he's not, I just, baseball needs to take the chance on somebody. They just haven't. And I've always said, and I'm not going to go in that same box again, but I've always said they haven't taken a chance on anybody because they're afraid they're going to get popped with steroids. So that's why their promotion and marketing campaign and everything around the game has just been very kind of just like milk toast. But I think now they don't fear, they fear doing that now because of the Astros. Like you had a whole team that you couldn't promote anymore. So, um, so I, I just love that we've seen baseball trend towards – more engaging, more fun promotion, more player-based promotion, and it started with Tatis this offseason. And this deal, I think, is great for baseball because it keeps a hot name, a hot face, and a hell of a talent in the conversation. Is San Diego the perfect place? Maybe not, but it, I think it's baseball. I think can live with that. I mean, we had Albert Pujols playing in St. Louis all those years. Guy was a mega star. At baseball, I think really most sports, it doesn't really matter that much of course you know if you're a great a transcendent star in a big city it means a lot i mean kobe playing the lakers means a lot you know but but i still think that this is still awesome what's I'm more really happy it happened. what's more important for tatis in terms of his brand and the brand of baseball is that tatis is competing for world series and i don't know if that's gonna happen in, in san diego you know they did, they did play last year what happened they did make the expanded playoffs last year. Yeah, exactly. They were. They, they, they got. I mean, they got. They got washed by, by, yeah. by the Dodgers, but they did. They make seem it. to be. Yeah, they seem to be tracking. You know, some had them as favorites in the NL West this year. I That's wouldn't make crazy. Who was yeah. saying that? <laughs> I, I, I think you made that up. I don't know why he's well, saying that. Yeah, all right. I, I sound like the guy that's like, you know, hey, look, some people think that, uh, you know, the, 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 I don't know. Some people think that the, the Denver Nuggets are the favorites to win the West this year. No. Okay, uh, Tony Gwynn Jr. doesn't count Kendall for, as a, as a, <laughs> as an analyst for, for who's going to well, come out of the NL West. So I won't say this upcoming season, but I think going forward, I've heard the notion that, you know, the Padres long term may run the NL West. Now, the Giants fan again, I, 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 object to that and say, you know, Farhan Zaidi has a, uh, a nice know. plan that he's putting together. But regardless, um, the only thing you don't have to worry about is the Colorado Rockies, honestly, in the NOS. But to be fair, like, I think that I think that he's in a situation where I think he could compete, you know, in, in San Diego. And so because of that, I'm not as concerned. But what we can't have is the years where the years wasted with Mike Trout, where the Angels haven't really threatened – um, to even win a pennant <laughs> in LA, so yeah. that's. I feel like the I feel like so far the Padres 
front office just seems like they they seem like they've made decent moves. Like they don't look as incompetent as the as the LA and LA of Anaheim Angels. They're look. taking swings. Yeah, they're taking swings. Yeah, Machado not so great the first year. Other than that shortened season last year, he played pretty good. I think he played great, really. If you, you know, I think Hosmer. Hosmer, I thought was a good move. I feel like they, they they're willing to take swings and they have some decent pieces already. So I think that like to me like the Padres are a threat to make the playoffs this year. You know, yeah, one hundred percent. You know, Will Myers is another one who's, who's played well for them. Um, yeah, and they they brought in you Darvish. Yes, they did bring in you Darvish. I mean, the 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 Angels took swings as well, but I feel like the Angels it was it wasn't nearly as calculated. The, yeah, the Angels they had no plan. It was just yeah, no plan. They were just who's the highest guy? It was sign them, and like they didn't yeah. build rest. They didn't build the team to me. They were just signing individuals, and that's why they look like how they look. Like even bringing in Shohei Otani was was great, but they didn't have much of a plan for him, and that you know. They kind of whole thing was just we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna hope that these two great talents are gonna, you know, yeah. Make it, felt like, it felt, it felt like the, yeah. It felt like the Angels were just as much as they were trying to quote unquote help Trout. It seemed like they also were just trying to make headlines. Yeah, like it seemed like that was also a big motivation for some of these trades. It was just like the Angels want to make a splash. It it they're it's Clipper syndrome. You know, you're you're the yeah. Angels. I mean. You kind of have to try and make make headlines, you know. Playing when the Dodgers, it feels like every year as a Giants fan again. I keep mentioning I'm a Giants fan, but like I, I noticed that like it, it's very obvious that the Dodgers every year have some sort of ace up their sleeve, and it finally worked this season, <laughs> bringing in Mookie Betts. But like when the Dodgers are always doing something, you kind of feel pressure to try and do something. It's for the Angels and. To try and win the headlines, and you really fit, you shouldn't feel you have to when you have Mike Trout, but you know, again, Clipper syndrome. He's not, he's not as big of a star playing on the Angels as he would be if he was on the Dodgers. Like Mookie Betts is almost just as known as Mike Trout, and that's that 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 shouldn't be the case, except for the fact that one guy has played on bigger franchises than the other guy, I and mean, com- look- like Mookie Betts has competed for championships, something Mike Trout hasn't done. Yeah, I mean, like, I hope that I hope that they can turn it around this year. I mean, they got a lineup. I mean, you got Rendon, you got Iglesias, you got Trout, you got you know Atani if he's healthy. I mean, they 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 you know he's got to come back healthy and and, and play more yeah. of that also. Yeah, level. even though Atani the, the 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 position player is still you know a weapon. Yeah, you know, you see, you know. he may never be the pitcher that we thought he would be, but even as a hitter, he's still a weapon in the lineup. Yeah, we'll see what Jared Jared Walsh is at first base. Um, I'm not gonna mention Albert Pujols, but he is on the team still. <laughs> he's on the roster. He's still playing yeah. baseball. It's crazy to me. He's 41 years old. God bless him, man. He's a, he's a legend. Uh, but shout out to Fernando Tatis, man. Uh, I'm so happy that he got this deal. I love what it means for baseball. I love that it creates the buzz for the for the sport. Hope that it's a uh, the turn of a new beginning. That's going to do it for this edition of New Generation Sports Talk, a little bit of an extended version. So I hope you guys enjoyed this conversation. Of course, you can catch all of our podcasts on the New Generation Podcast Network on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Also, be sure to check us on YouTube, New Generation Media, where not only we do sports, we do superhero talk. If you're a fan of the show WandaVision, which Kendall mentioned uh, just a couple of minutes ago, we do episode recaps every week, episode six recap. 
uh, should be up very soon, if not already, by the time you listen to this podcast. The seven, sorry. I wish it was six. I wish I wish we were we had more episodes left. Um, episode seven. So it's that six recap. So if you uh, if you want to catch that, you can catch that on our YouTube channel, New Generation Media, along with our other sports content. Um, make sure you follow us on social media. We're on Twitter, New Generation Pod, Instagram, New Generation Podcast, and Facebook, New Generation Media. Follow me on Twitter, EJ underscore Stewart, Instagram, Action EJ. Follow Kendall on uh, Twitter, uh, at New Gen Ken. Thank you guys so much for listening in. For Kendall, I'm EJ. Take it easy, guys. Peace.